that is the mindset that I want to live in, like for the rest of 2020. And just for a while, I want to live in that mindset. So that mindset is this. Um, I believe in, in challenging yourself and having, having challenging goals in every arena. So in, in terms of fitness, um, I've seen the most success weight loss and nutrition and fitness when I set a goal and uh, my training is set around that goal. So one year the goal was I want to learn how to swim because I was terrified of swimming and I hate fear. So whatever I'm afraid of, I'm going to set that goal to, to conquer that. You are now listening to the Unrelenting Humans podcast. My name is Lonnie. I am your host. And on this episode, I am extremely honored to bring to you the founder of PsychoFit, Coach William Solomon. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Coach Solomon, he is an amazing human being. Okay, I'm not going to leave it at that. (laughs) So... What I've learned about him is he has some amazing values and he implements his values in everyday life and he encourages people to do the same. And he has this undeniable passion for health and wellness and nutrition. And you can see it in his own lifestyle. And he encourages others. Through this whole quarantine he created a challenge called the stay home get fit challenge so people could stay at home do body weight workouts and still you know feel challenged have something to look forward to where he gave medals and finisher tees it was dope and he came up with another challenge that's going on right now it's called the burpee challenge it's 1000 burpees within 30 days and you get the chance to win a thousand dollars and a fly medal and two finisher tees. So if you haven't already signed up, you need to sign up. <laughs> also, he has went through his own transformation. He has undergone so much just to get to where he is, not just physically, but mentally as well. And I respect the hell out of that. So, another thing he did during this whole quarantine, which I'm not that familiar with cycling myself. I'm, I div and dab, I ride a bike with the kids, but I'm not a cyclist. But he did something called a century ride. So on this episode, he's gonna tell us about that experience and what type of adversity he had to overcome while doing that. Because you know, it ain't no testimony without a test. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Man, I got so much from this interview, from this conversation. So there's a lot of gems in this episode. Um, I guess I'll leave you guys with that. Let you guys listen. Um, Let me know what you think. Uh, Leave any questions in the comments or hit me up on IG at unrelenting underscore humans. And without further ado, thank you for listening.
So you have this amazing brand called PsychoFit. Can well, first off, for the listeners that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Coach Solomon. I'm the owner of PsychoFit. Um, most people don't know Psycho is as an acronym for Power Speed Yoga Calisthenics with a K. I spell it with a K. And um, OCR Obstacle Course Racing. So at its wow. core, yeah, yeah. So I didn't things. know what that was stood for. <laughs> so that's new to me. Yeah. So all those things um, at the core are the uh, modalities of fitness that I prescribe to because I believe that they all come together to make us better human beings. So um, in terms of our capacity, um, I like to say that as, as human beings, it starts with the mind. And then from the mind, we influence the body. And then from there, we go out and we influence the community, mind, body, and community. So if you take um, different modalities of fitness, whether it's um, strength work, power, um, speed work, mobility and agility, um, yoga, you start to get into the mind and the soul, you bring all those things together and they culminate into you going outside and becoming a better human being, facing obstacles and challenges, getting through those obstacles together, collectively as a community and that's why for me OCR racing um, is very important and, and critical because it gets us outside um, and we get to get over things together and then celebrate and so psycho fitness represents all that yeah oh wow yeah okay I can see that <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. so you're a personal trainer is your background with health and fitness or yeah so um neutral my background I have a certification in nutrition precision nutrition um, just my my own personal journey I gained a lot of weight fighting depression um, you know just kind of going through life finding yourself getting into the corporate world working being um, I would say you know just going through that journey of of living the American dream as it's been told to you and then coming to an understanding that that dream is not really for you the the corporate life and working 80 hours a week and being undervalued so um i I started psycho fitness really to get closer to my passion which is helping people and uh, i started in nutrition because food for me is where um you know i kind of went awry and i was self-medicating through food and alcohol and so the journey started in nutrition and then went went into fitness and Long story short, here I am now. So awesome. So I, I've only known you for less than a year. So I have only seen like who you are now. Tell me a little bit more about what it was like before your transformation. What, what? You know, I got up to about, um, I think, so 360 pounds is what I say is what I knew I weighed. Mm-hmm. 360 pounds, most of your Walmart and Target scales, uh-huh. they just don't really go up, you know? So it's like, you gotta go to a warehouse and get on a, you know, Costco pallet scale. And so 
I, I was going to outsmart the game and I just said, you know what? I won't weigh myself that way. Mm-hmm. I won't know how overweight I am, right? That was <laughs> that was my strategy. <laughs> so, That's a good thing. Somewhere around <laughs> somewhere around 360, 380 um, was, was probably my heaviest. And um, really that was an attempt to to medicate the the depression and the lack of self-value, right? So you don't truly at the core feel good about yourself you don't feel like you're of value to the world so you consume whether Mm -hmm. it's alcohol food uh you're steady consuming to try to cover up that pain or to fill that void right at a subconscious level um, if you do the work if you do the work you go through the process and you do the work as you start to peel back those layers of um um of trauma that that cause or that you know kind of empower that lack of self-value you start to realize that you don't need to overconsume. that you are valuable just the way you are and that the consumption whether it's financial food women men set whatever it is that the consumption cannot fill that void that that void comes from your own actions so long story short that's that's where the journey kind of taking place and all that happens over time right i can we can have that conversation and not i say that all in 10 seconds and the reality is that's four or five years of uh you know therapy conversations <laughs> yeah of work man you gotta look in the mirror be like what's up yeah <laughs> it's really hard to actually look in the mirror and you know tell yourself your own problems to be critical of yourself and to actually do something about it that's people don't know that strength that that takes (laughs) that is the heavy lifting right so um like i said i started in nutrition and um ultimately as as we get down to what drives behavior it is our values and virtues that we hold of ourselves right mm-hmm. and that drives that drives most behavior right right uh, a lot of behavior is driven at necessity you're going to go to work somewhere because you have to or you're going to own a business you're going to make money because you have to right but in terms of your food choices and your relationship choices right so your the things that you value your value system is what's going to drive that and if your value system says that if you truly believe at the, at your core that you are you ain't shit, that you ain't worth nothing, then you will consume nothing. You will consume food that doesn't have nutrients and you'll consume food that is slowly killing you because you ultimately don't believe that you belong. So you'll consume things that that should not be in your body. And you know this, but you believe ultimately that you're not worth it. So in a nutshell, that's what it kind of, it kind of drives down to some of those, those traumas. Right. It's it's like a slow a slow suicide. Yeah, you know, it is it is a, a death by a thousand cuts. And um it can happen in multiple ways though. Uh it, it yeah. is the, for some people it is the opposite. They they don't feel valuable, so they don't consume. They don't eat, right? They're not worthy of being here in their mind. They don't bring value. They they don't belong, so they don't eat. So they're they're trying to wither away you know um, yeah you know 
or it may it may lead to addiction you know yes that that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, a lot of a lot of different ways it could go but um i dealt with it's from not valuing yourself you know self self-value self-worth mm-hmm. there's there's a couple call them core themes um, a lack of self-value tends to be very prominent at me being a black man in the african-american community in my humble opinion because society at a very early age will tell you where you are and what you're worth in society. Um, a lack of value, a lack of self-worth is, is communicated early on, right? So right. that tends to be a, a running theme that I see, right? So, um, you know, the police will um, use less discretion in terms of taking your life because they don't see your life of value, right? the violence that we'll see in our community from a gang violence or domestic violence um, that it tend to, tends to happen where you, you don't see value in the other person, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you, you don't have value, so I'll take something from you because you're not worth it. So that is the, the self-value, self-worth, self-love is what I see most in our community. However, there's other things too. There's sometimes it's just trauma, right? Some early, early trauma or some trauma in life. And as a way to get through that trauma, you medicate through food. Food can be a lot of different things. It can be medication. It can be entertainment. It mm-hmm. can be foreplay. You know, it can be everything. So, but the self-value is what I run into. Sometimes it's trauma. Sometimes it's fear. It's just fear of success. Fear of being better. Yeah. All right. No, so there's, there's a couple of things. There's no one magic bullet. <laughs> really? <laughs> No, definitely. And so when, what was it that made you, like, what was the moment that you decided to change your life, that this was no longer for you, that you had to change? What, what was like the there last were, There were a couple. There were two that really struck out. Was I, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I went for <laughs> I went for a run, and I was really heavy at the time, easily 350, 360. And uh, when you have that type of weight, and you're moving around, and you you haven't been athletic. And don't get it wrong, you got some people who, who you know who are um, quote unquote morbidly obese, but they're still athletes, they're still athletic. But at this yeah. point, I I wasn't. I was very stationary. But I, I decided I'm gonna get it together. And I went running, and it was late at night, and I was in the hood. You know, because I lived in the hood at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I went running. And I got half a block and I tripped and fell. <laughs> and I <laughs> fell hard. And, <laughs> you know, I fell and it was hard to get up. And it was, that was the biggest reality shock. You want to talk about, you want to talk about a, uh, a metaphor for, for life, for being reborn again. It was dark. I was on the ground and it was hard to get up and I didn't want to get up. A part of me didn't want to get up. A part of me was embarrassed. A part of me just wanted to stay down there and cry. Like I literally wanted to cry. But there was a decision that that had to be made at that point. It was like, you could stay here on the ground in the ghetto and cry, or you can get your ass up, take a step, and keep it moving. And I, I swear, it was just a decision. And I just decided that I would roll over and get up and just walk. 
And I got up and kind of, you know, brushed off some alligator tears and I took a step forward. And, uh, wow. you know, I kind of choke up, like even now I choke up, even though this was um, about eight, maybe eight or nine years ago, I choke up now because that, that first step is a bitch. Yeah. The first step, you know, r- rolling off the ground. And a part of it was necessity too. Cause I was like, man, you in the hood, you lay here. So <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna come turn your pockets out and take try to take your wallet. <laughs> that so. is crazy because I look at you now and I cannot imagine that. Like not not just the body composition, just that mentality of wanting to stay laying on the ground. Like I don't I don't see that. <laughs> that is not the the coach I know. The coach that I've seen inspire others <laughs> wouldn't have even Would thought you- about laying on that ground. <laughs> And so this is what I think um, is so fascinating about um, the human experience, right? And that's why I love the title of the of the podcast, Unrelenting Humans. Like the capacity, the same the same hunger that I have for helping mm-hmm. others, the same passion that I have for 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 competing against myself and doing well and challenging myself, the same hunger that I have for that that energy, I took that same energy and I applied it towards alcohol. Like, you know, I applied it towards food. When I was, mm-hmm. I, we're going out to eat, we're going out for drinks, no one's gonna out drink me. $200, $300 at, at, a, at, a, at the bar, that's nothing. You know, let's have Long Islands and margaritas before we even go out. We go out here, let's have shots. Line up four shots right now. You know, let's drink it. Black Superman's, Hennessy, whatever, mix it. Black, white, you know, champagne, bring it. Right. So that same, that same capacity was there. It was just applied in a different, different area. Right. So this is an odd question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you still drink? I mean, do you drink now or did you just cut it out completely? Um, alcohol was like probably the last mainly out of comfort. It's it's medicating. Yeah. But uh, I still drink. I drink. I drink now. But it's really it's very mindful. I have a, a glass of wine with you know, um, with my soulmate at dinner for a nice dinner, or I'll have a celebratory beer at the end of a race or at the end of a long day. But the daily drinking. So listen, you know, I didn't. I don't think I was a full blown alcoholic. But there were days where I would wake up. I would go to Starbucks. I would have my rum. And I would get the, the what's that? The spice, the uh, pumpkin spice latte. Mm-hmm. And then I'd pour my my rum and my pumpkin spice latte. And then I would go into work. And then I'd be ready for at lunch. I'd go and get a bourbon and a beer. And then yeah. after lunch, I'd go and get happy hour, wherever they had the happy hour at. And then before I went to sleep at night, I would have another four or five drinks. And I did that every day. So, you know, those calories add up pretty fast. Yeah. So if it wasn't rum, rum for breakfast, it was espresso and, you know, like coffee and some coffee liqueur or so, you know, yeah. <laughs> to cut that out, there was levels, it was steps. I didn't, I didn't go cold turkey. You can, but I believe in um, strategy that's work that I've kind of coined um, the triple R, the triple R strategy. Re- you reduce. Uh-huh. Right. Reuse and recycle. You... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> that's actually a good one though but no you reduce um and then you replace so like you reduce the amount of whatever it is so if it's coffee if it's alcohol you reduce it you replace it with something else whether it's uh, gatorade or some other drink or you know some hopefully something that's has nutrients in it and mm -hmm. then you reward right you set a goal if you're drinking every day you reduce that down to i'm only going to drink three or four days a week i'll drink on the weekends and maybe on hump day i'll drink and if i can do that for four, four weeks i'll reward myself with x y and z and i'm going to replace the drinking with more water or with tea reduce replace and reward you set a goal i you like the three that. r's yeah because what, I, i'm taking psychology. notes right now of that you know <laughs> i'm gonna have to like implement that in my life a little bit just a little bit <laughs> you, you can do that with anything so the psychology is when you stop doing something cold turkey Mm -hmm. your brain is like we're losing we used to have it we used to do that and now we don't do it anymore it, it, there's a void right? right and we don't want to lose we don't want to lose anything we don't want to lose weight we don't want to lose money we don't we don't want to lose any precious yeah. resource yeah. or anything transform it to something that better serves you yep that would be the process well speaking of Okay, because like I said, I couldn't imagine you being that way, especially seeing you complete a century ride. So, <laughs> let's talk about how that came into fruition. <laughs> the century ride, 100 miles on the bike. That was... That 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 right there, that experience, that is the mindset that I want to live in, like for the rest of 2020 and just for a while, I want to live in that mindset. So that mindset is this, um, I believe in, in challenging yourself and having, having challenging goals in every arena. So in, in terms of fitness, um, I've seen the most success weight loss and nutrition and fitness when I set a goal and uh, my training is set around that goal so one year the goal was i want to learn how to swim because i was terrified of swimming and i hate fear so whatever i'm afraid of i'm gonna set that goal to, to conquer that and then i learned how to swim i'm no longer afraid of it so i'm good so i'm um, cycling mm -hmm. um i have i got a road bike i wasn't using it so i was like you know what i want to ride 100 miles right that's not a lot really for someone who rides often but for me the, the longest i've ever been was 60 miles Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, hey, it's time for another goal. Let's, what would be a challenging goal? What can you do? A lot of things are shut down. Gyms are at 20% capacity. I was like, let's, let's do a 100-mile bike ride. And I put it out there on Facebook to see which one of my fit friends would jump on it. And I had a small handful of, of associates and friends, and they jumped on it. And then I, I set it up. And uh, I'm going to tell you that it was pretty pretty weird or surreal because i i organized it uh -huh. but i was the weakest i was the weakest rider <laughs> hey hey right so you're the leader so <laughs> yeah and so but for me you know that that was a lesson there's so many lessons that was a lesson within itself you don't have to be the strongest to lead sometimes it's just enough to get the right people together. And uh, fortunate for me, I had the right people in this group. There's about about seven or eight of us. And um, uh, what, I, what I did was,
I first thing I did is I rented a bike. Right? Mm-hmm. So I had my nephew come along on a rental bike, but it was electric. And I, I, I brought two battery packs because one battery can get you 50 miles. So yeah. I'm like, hey, nephew, you're going to ride with this. And if anything happens where like, let's say I fall and I break my leg, I'm going to hop on the electric bike and ride to the hospital. Right. So I'm always what's what's the worst that could happen? Mitigation strategy. Right. You got to be able to mitigate your risk. We also brought I brought a um, a uh, first aid kit and put it with the electric bike. So the electric bike had it was kind of like our, our mobile medic. It had, you know, first aid, some extra juice and Pedialyte and all this stuff. And if something were to happen, we didn't have to leave anybody behind. Right. So that yeah. was. And I'm, I'm, this is kind of a long story, but you're going to that, that electric bike came in handy. Like at the end of the ride. And this electric bike is not sexy. It's like lime green. It's a beach cruiser with a motor on it. Right. It, it is. <laughs> it is this thing is horrible. I got to send you a picture of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So here we are. You know, we're setting off for the 100 mile ride. We, we meet up at about 5 30 a.m. before, right before sunrise. And, you know, I've kind of already had some Zoom meetings with the guys and we talked about road etiquette. I sent out the GPS. And I actually had a friend of mine, a really good friend, um, and two friends, actually a friend of mine and a friend's mom. They um, volunteered to be kind of like staff check checkpoints. So 30 miles mm-hmm. into the ride, I had one friend with a uh, ice chest and some some juice and some snacks and stuff. So that way we could refill. So I knew I would need to you know stay on top of my nutrition. And then another friend of mine, his mom was at the 50 mile marker. So... Mm-hmm. It, in that, re- in that regard, we were pretty well staffed. We had a backup plan with the bike. We had some checkpoints and we had some volunteers in case something happened. So we were good to go. All right, so we start off. Mm-hmm. Soon as we start off, right, we're, we're getting ready to go. First things first is I fell in the parking lot. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> right, so I have these new shoes that I got for the bike about a week before the ride. I told you I'm not the strongest rider, so I got clip-ins. So that way I can kind of be more efficient. And with the clip-ins, you have to get used to clipping in your feet. And so we're in the parking lot, I'm pumped, I'm ready to go. And so like, we're kind of like warming up, doing circles. And a friend of mine, I need to change his tire like last minute. And so I'm, I'm heading over to him and I stopped, but I forgot to unclip. And I just, <laughs> it was the most oh. embarrassing thing. They're like, okay, the guy who's putting this together doesn't even know how to clip out of it. We're, we're done for. But, um, you know, <laughs> hey, you get that out the way early. Did, so did that you guys way record you can just... this? This just sounds like it should have been a YouTube video or series. It, <laughs> it really should have. I thought about it. I really thought about recording it. But since I fell early on, I'm glad we didn't. I do have some video, though, of... Um, one of the one, uh, my friend who was a volunteer, he recorded some some good video. I'll send that to you too. Okay, definitely. So we're we're getting ready to go, and before we before we took off, a friend of mine who rides all the time. I mean, he's 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 cycling is his jam. He's competed. He's done done races. His name is um, Josh Joshua uh, Tipton. You probably have seen him in um, Spartan races. The guy is just he's just an animal. He's yeah. just an animal. So, so Josh is like one of those glad guys. I'm so glad he came. But he also, I got to tell this story. He came, I, I was very adamant, like, hey, 5.30, we're taking off, right? 
Josh mm-hmm. showed up at 529. He showed up at 529. Wow. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> he showed up at 529 in his pajamas. <laughs> and a racing sh- <laughs> he had on a racing jersey, a cycling jersey, and some pajama pants. And he showed up. And so, like, peep this out. All right. So Josh pulls up. All right. I've kind of been talking with folks and stuff. And Josh pulls up and he goes, All right, gets out the car. He's in his pajamas. It's 529. Mm-hmm. And he starts looking, looking everyone over. He's like, All right, what do you have on? You're wearing those shorts? You're wearing the backpack? You're wearing a backpack. <laughs> You're gonna wear a backpack on a hundred mile bike ride. Are you sure? He's like, cause you don't need that. We got water, you know, you don't need it. And he looks to the next guy. He's like, do you have a, do you have a, a racing shirt? Do you have a Jersey? Cause I have one in my car. He's like, you, you need a Jersey. I have one that'll fit you. Let's get you a Jersey. Here, put this on. Right? So he, he gives the guy. <laughs> yes, yes, right? And so the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, um. Josh is the type of guy, if you don't know him, when he, when, he, when he walks in and he's giving you feedback, giving you a recommendation, help you out, it can really come across as this guy is intimidating or he's being an asshole, right? That's how it can come across. Mm-hmm. But if you're receptive to the information and the feedback, like the guy is literally, literally giving you the shirt off his back. Right. And right and it's going to make you better right so those two things he's giving you the shirt off his back and it's going to make you better and you're going to have a better experience and you're probably going to perform better so he's he's looking over like this is 529 i'm ready to go he's looking and he goes and he turns he looks at me he's like coach your front tire is on backwards what (laughs) yeah (laughs) right so it's just kind of one of those deals where, and this is another lesson that I learned when you have good people, right? So you can have the best intentions, the best plans. You can think things through, but there's no replacement for good people. And Josh is just a good guy, right? And he has a lot of knowledge. So there, there is no, there's no process for that. Just get good people around you and good things will happen. Right. Right. So we started a little bit later, but we're, we were better for it. Josh gave some people some shirts, you know, hooked some people up, gave some people some really good advice. I fell in the parking lot and then we took off and we took off. And uh, the first 30 miles went by pretty fast, 30 miles. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. You know, and so I'm when did it get great... hard? <laughs> oh my God. It got hard I, for me. After the at the fifty mile point, I was feeling it. You start yeah. to feel it in your in your quads, and uh, I was staying on top of my nutrition, so I felt good. But then around sixty miles, I noticed that I didn't have power. I had energy, I had endurance, but I didn't have power. So what that looks like is when it's flat, I'm okay. When I'm drafting, I'm okay. Like when I'm right behind these guys in their draft. Mm-hmm. When we hit a hill, when we hit any type of incline. After 60 miles, I noticed I, I just don't have that 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 um, that output, and that was a lesson too. Like you just you you can't, and I know this, but when every time you challenge yourself, it comes out. You know, if you're not prepared, if you physically have not done the work, you can't fake it. You can't will you. There's no willpower. There's no I really want this. The desire and the preparation have to be equal, 
in terms of your training. Right. Yeah. I had the desire, but the body was not prepared to go past 60 miles. So I couldn't do it. So at 60 miles, it got hard. However, mm-hmm. and I think I had, I have, yeah, I had one person who uh, bowed out at 60 miles. He had somebody come pick him up. However, um, it was starting to get hot too. And we had a couple of flats. So we would stop and then change the flats, change the flat tires and blowouts. And uh, Josh being the guy that he is, we had a, we had a tire, not just a tube, but we had a tire get ripped, right? Mm-hmm. Jo- Josh, the guy who showed up at 529 in his pajamas, you know, <laughs> who, who was like a drill sergeant going over, you know, the guy's uniform. Josh yeah. rode, rode to his mom's house to get spare tubes and tires to replace somebody's bike, right? So that we could continue on the ride. And this was like 70 miles into it. So once again, you can set the challenge, you can be prepared, but there's no replacing good people, right? So here it is. This guy's kind of like hoping to save the day. So 70 miles into it, had another flat. We're changing the tire. We're heading uphill. The sun is out. Now it's like, you know, 98 degrees, you're sweating. I'm starting to cramp. My hip flexors are lighting up. And that's when you start to get into that, that, you know, mindset of why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> right. Like, why am I out here? Here I am out here, these hot ass streets. <laughs> <laughs> on, on this bicycle. <laughs> on this damn bike, my, your butt is hurting. You know, it's, there's, but um, I had already decided before I started the journey that I would finish, I would get 100 miles, or I would die trying. That decision was already made. So, you know, the struggle was okay because I knew that there was a finish line that I was going to get to. Here's when it got really real. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. Here's when it got real. Literally, literally, 96 point two miles into it at the 96.2 miles at that point i'm going up a, a small hill and i have no energy and i'm pumping as hard as i can and i hit a i hit a i hit a bump like in the road and as Ooh. i hit the bump i i being a rookie this is stupid don't ever do this i was changing i was in the process of changing gears i was getting ready to go up to a higher gear and you're not uh-huh. supposed to go up to a higher gear while you're going uphill. But I'm, I'm trying to find a better gear because I'm losing energy. And, like, I don't want to stop. I don't want to fall again. And as I'm changing gears, I hit a bump. My chain pops off. And it hops. The chain goes around my derailleur. And it, like, literally rips my derailleur into the tire. And it breaks my bike. Wow. Like, my chain is now just dragging on the ground. And at this point, I'm by myself because everyone else has gone up the hill. And, like, my nephew's kind of close by on the on the, the big green rental bike. Uh-huh. But 96.2 miles into this thing, my bike breaks down. Wow. Why <laughs> so close to the finish line, though? <laughs> seven hours. At that point, I, I had been on this bike seven hours. Like wow. we, we had went through all the, you know, riding and, and stopping and it's hot now and flat tires, this whole entire journey, we get towards the end and the bike 
brakes. I, I break the bike because of my inexperience. And all the, I'm the last one because I'm, I'm on the struggle bus. I tell my nephew, just, just keep going. And once again, mindset, I, yeah. I, I, I said the same thing you just said. I was standing there and I'm like, why me? I started to have a fucking pity party. Why me? This always happens to me. I always <laughs> get close, but I never finish, right? Why me? And then I had to just, I, I literally just stopped. I said, you know what? Either I'm going to walk this bike up the hill and I'm going to get a hundred miles. And I remembered, hey, I rented the electric bike for this reason. I rented the, the, the spare bike so that way we would have a backup. So I called my friend. He came, he picked me up through my in the back of his, his SUV, took me over to the finish line where my nephew had just finished. I hopped on the electric bike and it had one cell left on the battery. I, I BS you not, it had just enough in the battery where I just gunned it, you know, the, the 3.8 miles mm-hmm. back, back to where my bike broke down. And the battery went out literally as I'm pulling up to that spot where I broke down. Oh my God. I, I'm, I'm serious. I am so that serious. You couldn't have broke. <laughs> so the battery goes out. I turn around and I'm on this beach cruiser, right? I'm, I'm in some, <laughs> I'm on, the, I'm in some regular shoes now. I had to switch my shoes out. I'm on this beach cruiser. I'm on these biking shorts and I have my helmet on and my glasses. I look like I should be on a racing bike, but I'm on this line green <laughs> beach cruiser do you have a picture i do have a picture of the bike i do i'm gonna send that to you and i got three miles ago and they're uphill so it's, it's a not much of a hill but when you're exhausted it, it's a huge hill and i just decided i had already decided i was going to finish or die so i start pedaling and my i can't tell you how hard it was because i'm not clipped in my legs are shot my quads are shot and I'm pedaling and it's so hard. People are passing me up and people are looking at me like I am the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> Here I am, 6'2", six, six 230 pound, muscular, fit looking guy, struggling on his beach cruiser, lime green beach cruiser. I got black racing shorts, you know, bike shorts on. I got a black shirt on, I'm looking all, I'm trying to look all cool. And I just look, I had to look like the, the biggest idiot in the world. And I swear, as I'm pedaling up this hill, and we're kind of close to some streets, so every now and then, like, I'll turn a corner and then the the people in cars can see me. People are literally hanging out the car, looking at me with their tongue out, like, what? What is wrong with you? And, you know, (laughs) like, something, something hit me. I was like, this is it. You, this is why you don't give a fuck about what people think. They don't know your journey. Right. Everyone who was looking at me crazy, they, they didn't know I just put in 96 miles. I had been on a bike for seven for seven hours. They didn't know that. They only knew what they saw, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and whatever. Fuck that. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> wow. I needed to I needed to finish. <laughs> so I finished. I that finished. you did. <laughs> yeah. That so I pedaled crazy. my butt to the finish line and had a beer afterwards. And yeah, it took me about so that is yeah, that, 
Those that are not was, the that stories. That was a century ride. Like I, I mean, like, I heard somebody else told me about their century ride, and it sounded so easy. Like it was just like, oh, I just did fifty miles there and fifty miles back, and it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy, you know, if you're riding. Yeah, it's easy. Like if if you do it consistently, it, I won't say it's easy. You know, it, it gets easier the more you do it. But uh, for someone like myself. I was riding, you know, but n- nothing major like that. It, it was definitely a challenge for me. And I learned so much, so much. Well, you just taught me a lot just by telling me this. I'm like, okay, so I need to get <laughs> this and this and no, this and this. And yeah. Hmm. I, I really <laughs> just boiled it down to, to three things. The first thing is to challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Set the challenge. The second thing is to surround yourself with good people, right? Mm-hmm. And the third thing is prepare for adversity because something is going to go wrong, right? Something something always goes, goes wrong. And have a strategy, a mitigation strategy, a backup plan. And between those three things, you set the challenge, get good people around you because no matter how good your mitigation or your backup plan is, there's no there's no substitute for good people. Right. Right. I agree. And then get it done. It was a great pleasure to talk to Coach Solomon and just get his insight on different things. So I normally talk about something that we discussed a little bit at the end. I don't really have much to add to what he said, but I guess I could add just a little bit when it comes to eating disorders. Like people do think when they think of eating disorders, they automatically think of like bulimia and anorexia, like anorexia as in purging yourself, making yourself throw up. But overeating is also an eating disorder. Anorexia is also categorized as binge eating, like hoarding food or just eating out of boredom. And it really is more mental than anything. And when I say mental, I don't just mean like, you know, having a mental disorder, but it can also be a hormonal imbalance in your brain. So... If you are dieting or trying to diet and exercising and you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not seeing those pounds come off or you're not seeing the, you know, your body changing or whatever it is that you want to see, but you know you're actually doing the work, you're not skipping your workouts, you are eating what you're supposed to be eating, I would suggest going to see your doctor and maybe you know, requesting to see an endocrinologist to test your hormones. I mean, there's there's so many different reasons for us to be overweight or underweight. So it's not just a cookie cutter thing. And in America, about 40% of the population is considered obese. Not overweight, but actually obese. So that's just something to think about. 
Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this story as much as I enjoyed the interview. Uh, Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow. If you haven't already, leave me a rating (laughs) and a review. I really do appreciate it. We are now live on YouTube. We're still trying to get this thing to grow. I appreciate all of the support that I am getting. I appreciate you sharing. So um, please, if you have any questions, leave them in the comments uh, or hit me up on Instagram at unrelenting underscore humans. Um, you can also hit my personal page, evolution underscore of underscore Lonnie. And don't forget to follow PsychoFit, P-S-Y-K-O-F-I-T, on all media platforms. Go ahead, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, yeah, sign up for the PsychoFit 1000 Burpee Challenge. And thank you all for listening. Until next time. (laughs) Peace out, y'all.